you will you will drain your you will one block your creativity and drain your creativity like you're drain your uh the art process of creating out if you always start like doing commissions that you don't want to do so i always say like the way to the way to divert that and also you're listening to the gangstar creative podcast where we talk and share real strategies real tactics and real stories from me and my badass guests to help gangstar creatives and artists like you thrive in both your business and life and i'm your host Ivana. i'm an artist creative entrepreneur speaker and best-selling author are you ready to annihilate the status quo of the starving artist if so let's get it What up, Gangstars? It's your girl, Devana, and I am super stoked to bring back the podcast. I missed you guys. I know um, I haven't released a podcast, and I believe it's been about a month that I was on this little hiatus, but it's just been a crazy, busy month. I had some people in town. I had projects and murals and all this stuff, so I just decided to not let this stress me out um, and kind of take a little monthly break from it, but I'm excited to be back and give you a weekly Gangstar Creative podcast. So this week's Gangstar Creative is Alvin Codner, and he's always wanted to change the world at a young age. He has worked in the nonprofit sector, public sector, and school districts throughout the past 10 years. Alvin has a history of excellence and holds a public interest very close to his heart. And this is his last year as a middle school art teacher, and he's transitioning into becoming a full-time artist. So I'm super excited to have him on the show and kind of share his story uh, of, you know, having that job, but also pursuing becoming a full-time artist, which I know a lot of you who are listening right now are trying to be on that path. So he's going to be dropping some awesome bombs and knowledge um, and a lot of insight into his story and journey that I think you'll find really interesting. And of course, I got to highlight a Gangstar Creative Review. Brother Reed says, so real, so creative, so inspiring. This is the podcast we as artists have been needing to learn from each other and build each other up. It's inspiring and motivating and I'm taking notes. Brother Reed, thank you for that amazing review. So let's go ahead and hop into the episode all right gang stars another week another gang star we got alvin in the building what's up alvin thanks for Ooh. joining me today what's up what's up what's up <laughs> tell our <laughs> listeners a little bit about yourself who is alvin where did you start and take us on a journey of where you started and how you got to where you are today yes for sure so um i am a i started doing art down in Kissimmee, Florida. That's where I am from, where I raised that at least. And um, I started doing art or doing cartoons when I was in middle school. Uh, I went to an art, a art class or art classes that my mom put me in at a nonprofit called Osceola Arts. And that living down here in Kissimmee was uh, more so, you know, Disney World and uh, Universal. So a lot of those and Nickelodeon, mm. like they, those are kind of like always seen on TV, always on the billboard. So I wanted to be a cartoonist at first. So I was uh, drawing, you know, back then, Dragon Ball Z was the biggest thing <laughs> out <laughs> cartoon-wise. You know, everyone was Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon. So um, that's what I was drawing me. My friend, uh, Gustavo Pisani, he doesn't draw anymore. He's like a DJ now, but me and him used to draw a lot. So um, yeah, I was drawing that for a while, cartoons, cartoons, cartoons. That was the goal to end up either working for Disney or Universal. And then um, I was also playing sports, football, running track. So I got more into that, um, that realm doing sports. And then so for college, what ended up happening was I got a, I got a 
a grant to go to a junior college to play. Sorry about that. Um, a junior college to play football in Buffalo, New York. And then I got my associate. I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to major in, but I did know I wanted to draw in some sort of some sort some way or fashion. So I did a general studies associates, but a concentration in architecture. Um, and what ended up happening was when I was doing architecture, uh, one class, it was a CAD class, and I ended up um, like missing, we had to do a staircase, and I, I messed up like one centimeter off of the uh, step, of the, like the first step, and it messed up the rest of the steps, <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then like I went my, my grade went from an A to like a 68D. And I'm like, oh Dang. my God. Like, and then I ultimately like got a C in the class. I'm like, man, if classes in architecture are like this and like, you know, uh the the and the, to get my bachelor's in architecture, I'm like, I don't want to do it. So um, from <laughs> from there. You're like too me, much math. I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm good. So when I transferred down to uh I went to Clark Atlanta University. In Atlanta, Georgia, I traveled down there and I, I switched my major to be a uh, fine arts bachelor. I got my bachelor in fine arts and concentration studio art, which is more free uh, for me to you know do what I want to do in a sense. And um, yeah, and then I, I kind of more concentrated in charcoal at that time. I was doing a lot of charcoal um, drawings and had a kind of a cartoonish feel. And then um, after that, after I got my bachelor's in fine arts, I wanted to, I got more in the community. I got my master's in positive psychology. I got my master's in nonprofit management. Um, I traveled a bunch wow. of different cities in, in the state. I went to New Orleans, California, um, New York, uh, back down to Florida with the, with the colleges that I went to. And um, I just was doing a lot of community work. And I actually ran for mayor of my hometown in 2020. Um, and stuff like that. But in 2019, that's when I got back into to 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 art, um, and I started picking up the paintbrush in 2019, and, and up to now, where I am a middle school art teacher at, at the current time, and I started teaching in 2000, uh, 2018. So yeah. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> how long? Okay, just to give our listeners a little bit of the, the the time reference. How long was like that gap? I guess because you said you just picked up or picked back up the paintbrush right. not too long oh. ago. Yeah, yeah, so that gap was, so I got my bachelor's 2014, uh, 2013 December, uh, winter time, and then I didn't do any art after that. <laughs> um, not actually trad traditional art. I did like a few graphic design, kind of just making logos um, and t-shirts, but not nothing traditional, not drawing. Um, and that was from 2013 wintertime to 2000, June of 2019. So wow. that's a, a six year and a half, six and some change. And that yeah. was mostly in part due to your schooling, getting your MBAs, or was it like the, the nonprofit and community work you were doing? Yeah, it was, it was all of that. It was more so like, <laughs> I didn't, like, it was like life too. Like it was, yeah. uh, it was uh, once I got my when I was doing my uh, second graduate school, when I, I moved out to California, when, when I first got there in August, it was August 15, 2015, when I started my my second graduate school and I was homeless for like eight months. So I didn't have any place to even do anything if I wanted to. 
and I was trying to work and just trying to figure out life because at that time I didn't really see uh, me a way to actually make a living off the art. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, just working, not to say, I was working odd jobs in a sense, but I still was working in the realm of nonprofits and, um, and community stuff. But as you know, or as well, if you don't know, as a lot of people may not know, the nonprofit sector <laughs> and any community job really doesn't get paid much. You really just have to love <laughs> to do what you, you're doing in that field. So, you know, I love youth development and community. So that's what I was doing. But um, yeah, it was just life as a whole, just trying to trying to figure out where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. Um, and then um, in 2019, what ended up happening was, or 2018, I became an art teacher. Or I'm, sorry, 2017, I became an art, a, art, a substitute teacher. Then I became an art teacher in 2018. And um, once I became that art teacher, then I kind of like, well, yeah, let me just try and get back into this art stuff. Cause I had to do it for the kids, you know, like, you know, I can't just be, <laughs> I didn't feel like being an art teacher, not practicing art. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, I picked it back up and then I never was a painter at all. I was more so a drawer and charcoal. So 2019, mm-hmm. I picked up the paintbrush and I just started practicing from then. And yeah, so. So we <laughs> have to thank your classroom for yeah. having you pick the, the paintbrush and getting back into art again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My students definitely always challenged me. Um, I they they all reminded me reminded me of me when I was in middle school because that's when I started. And you know they're always just like, "Hey, I want to draw this," or "Hey, I want to do this." So I would mm-hmm. have to like go home and just, oh man, I, either I forgot how to do it or I never did this before, so I got to learn how to do it real quick <laughs> and then create a lesson about it and teach it. <laughs> you know. So um, they, they, they definitely were a big influence to me, for sure. Wow, that's so awesome. And I think um, it's really cool to kind of just highlight, you know, that, that gap in years of just, you know, being interested in art and then just life happening as it does to so many of us. Um, and thank you for sharing your story and your journey and having to experience homelessness, which is a whole, you know, another thing to deal with um, and go through. And then to magically, you know, well, not magically, but just like having to go back into, you know, working and giving back to the community through arts and then getting back into the actual act of creating art. I mean, some people feel like they're, they can be really discouraged when they have some sort of gap between, you know, when they were there, they were painting, you know, for a little bit and then they stop for a while because life happens or, you know, a new job or their partner or whatever, like so many reasons. Um, And then they feel like, well, you know, I've had such a long break and, you know, sometimes age plays a factor and it's like, oh, well now I'm this age and I keep seeing all these, you know, young people doing this and that. And like, who am I to pick up the the paintbrush again? Um, So I think it's really cool that you still, wanted to pursue art in that sense and it was good to have to kind of look at your students to kind of be that example well I can't just be their art teacher and not you know be an artist right 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 yeah yeah now nah, it was it was and, and it's interesting because like I always like I never was one to like follow any artist like even in the um like after I got out of school like I wasn't even like following up in the art world like who's doing the biggest art or good art or whatever case may be so I was so, so out of the loop in a sense and, um, you know, and I was like, man, I'm, you know, well, when I first started school, I was 20, what, 26? I'm 30, 31. I just turned 31 today, actually. So, Happy birthday. Uh, what? <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was 26 at the time. 
when I started school in 27, I became an art teacher. And um, I was like, I still, I still felt, felt very, fairly young, but I was like, when I started seeing other, other artists that's like 16 and 17, and they're as good as me. And I'm like, whoa, like, I mean, I was pretty good as a kid too. I'm like, man, like, you know, this, the sky's is the limit for them, you know? So I, I kind of did feel that, dang, am I, am I too old to start back? Like, you know, but then I was like, nah, I, I'm talented enough. You know, you got to kind of beat that imposter syndrome that a lot of people have when they first start out. And that's kind of, even though I've been doing art and I got my bachelor's in fine arts, me trying to come back, it still felt like I was somewhat at the bottom. Like, man, I, I'm just the beginning of my actual art career, you know? So um, I had that imposter syndrome, like, oh, yeah, I'm not good yet. And so actually what, what took, I, that I wanted to lead that to for um, six months prior to me putting up my first painting, um, the first painting that I sold as a commission, um, it was six months prior to that. So June of 2019, I was practicing for six months until December, December-ish of 2019, where I actually posted up one of my paintings, like, actually, like, yo, I sold this because I didn't think I was ready yet. Like, I didn't think it was good enough or whatever. Oh, wow. So I was just practicing because this was my first time actually painting. I was more of a jar. So, like, my paintings were at first, like, abstract and I'm still trying to learn colors and mixing and all that stuff. So uh, a lot of, lot of self-discipline and kind of looking at yourself in the mirror, you know? So how did you get that first commission then? Oh man, it was actually my, it was actually the PE coach at my, uh, at my <laughs> school. He was like, uh, he just came into the room. He's like, yeah, man, like you, you're an artist, right? I mean, he's like, you know, assuming like I'm an art teacher. I'm like, yeah, like, I'm, you know, I do, I draw, <laughs> you know, whatever. But he was like, man, do you, he's like, do you paint? Like, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Do you, uh, I, I want to get a Darth Vader um, painting. And I'm like, man, I'm going to be honest. I know how to draw him. Like, I could draw on graphite on paper easily because it's just black and white. But I was like, I never painted anybody. <laughs> like, no cartoon. I never painted no cartoon before, nothing like that. So he's like, hey, man, like, you know, well, I'll, I'll just be the first one. Just practice, you know, because I really want it. So I'm like, all oh, right. That's cool. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that cool. Well, bet. You know what I mean? I was like, I didn't even give him a price yet because I was like, I don't know what I would even charge because I didn't even know how to price paintings yet at that time. So um, I was like, man, let me try to figure this out. So I drew it on paper. And then I was like, hold up. I can draw and I can, I can actually draw on the canvas because the canvas is white, too. So I was like, let me just draw on the canvas. I can already draw, so let me draw on the canvas. And then once, since it was so easy, it was a simple, uh, I made the background red and then I made, uh, and, you know, Dark Raiders black and white. So I was like, well, that's easy. I know black and white makes gray. So I have that gray tone and I'll just have the black, red as the background. And I'll just treat it like a coloring book because I already outlined it. And it came out, it came out amazing, like way better than I even thought it would look like. like, Oh, snap. Like, okay, I can do this, you know? So I just need to learn about mixing colors and stuff like that. But that was a a simple three color um, painting. So I did it. Um, He loved it. And then I actually posted it. And then when I posted it, um, all my followers and stuff like that, they're like, oh, can I get a Wolverine? Can I get a, you know, a Elmo? Can I get this, that, and a third? And I'm <laughs> like, oh, snap. Like, is that is it that easy? Like, I could just do these. I could just put one up and then people will already just want something similar. And then that's kind of actually how it started. And I got a lot of my commissions, you know, off of doing that. 
Wow. That's so cool that you had that, that ripple effect on that. Um, yeah. because of that, that one kind of opportunity that your yeah. coworker gave you in a sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, how did you, or how do you, if you still, you know, go through mm -hmm. imposter syndrome, how do you get through that and push through that? And how, what kind of advice would you give to our listeners that's kind of facing that? Cause that's definitely something that a lot of creatives go through. So I'm yeah. curious to kind of touch back on that into how you've been able to navigate through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, imposter syndrome, man, it, I think it's always, it's always going to happen. I believe the first year that you start your journey, you know, <laughs> of, of starting art or doing art, um, right? Like in the beginning, it was more so like I didn't post anything because I personally didn't feel like it was good enough to my ability. But I have a lot of good self-discipline. So I practice like every single day. Like, is this good enough? Is it better? Is it better? Is it better than it was yesterday? So uh, I got to a point where I thought it was good. So it really just was just me talking up, motivating myself, like, okay, I could do better. And then it's good enough right now. And then I'm, I know the next thing I'm gonna do is gonna be even better. So I just had that, you know, that good self-talk, positive self-talk um, and, and all the things I was doing. And then of course you would go out into the art world and you will see another artist do something in either in the similar same realm as you and it's way better than yours, <laughs> right? So I used to see <laughs> like other artists who did like uh, Comic-Con artists who did like the Darth Vader's and the, you know, the the Yoda paintings. I'm like, yo, these is crazy, like way better than me. But, um, but it only motivated me to like get better, you know? So I just took, um, I used to watch, you know, different YouTube videos of different techniques and just learning, you know, that's the only way you can, kind of beat that imposter syndrome was like, okay, yeah, there's other artists out there that's great. So let me learn from their techniques and, you know, kind of uh, add my uniqueness to it and mm -hmm. then stand out. And that's really just what I've been doing. And even, I mean, and sometimes I don't, now I don't really call it imposter syndrome. Um, now it's just more so if I see a, if I see an art competition or art uh, contest where it's something that is out of my uh, realm, cause like I master, I, when I say master, but I have exceeded in doing portraitures now at this moment. So um, prior, like last year, I always seen a lot of landscape, uh, landscape and abstract contests. I'm like, nah, I'm not good. Like I'm not good enough to even enter the show yet. So, and in a sense that's imposter syndrome, but like now I'm just like uh, May 16th, I'm, I'm entering into, I'm submitting my first landscape uh, painting for this big show up in Maine. So, um, but it's because I've been practicing the landscape for, for a while, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just like, I beat the imposter syndrome by practicing on that just craft. Just doing whatever. it. Yeah, just doing it. Like, I can't even, it's hard to explain, like, the, the actions. It's more of a mental thing. It's more of like, okay, I'm not there yet, but I will get there. And how do I get there? Which is uh, two things I'll say I do. So I, 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 I state whatever the end goal is. So like last year, my end goal was, okay, I want to uh, enter a big landscape, you know, competition. So that's my end goal. And then I draw back and say, okay, what's the first step? Well, the first step is I need to learn how to do waters and clouds and skies and et cetera, and master each little aspect of a landscape. And then I just kept on practicing that for, and since, and since I know it was a year away, it was May 16th. So I knew like, okay, well, these, these first two months, I'm going to practice water. Next two months, I'm going to practice that a lot. And then I made it all come together, you know? So even though I wasn't ready back then, I am ready now, you know? So 
Gotcha. Well, in in the beginning, you said that, you know, you, you did um, the Darth Vader and then people, you posted it and then people started, you know, asking for, well, I would like this and this and this. Um, So I'm curious, like, as artists, especially as we're starting out, we're like always like learning and growing and we're figuring out our style and what we like. And so did you like painting characters like in the beginning like that? Um, or right. were you like, man, did I am doing too many of these. Like, I don't want to do these anymore. And that's how, like, right. how did you get into figuring out you like portrait painting or how are you still trying to figure out exactly what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a great question. Cause what was crazy is now I hate commissions. <laughs> like I hate, <laughs> I hate painting anything that's not like, uh, not I, I can't use my creative you know um, um techniques or whatever case because like back then I was really doing I was preparing because this is my last year of teaching so I'm, I'm transitioning to be a full-time artist right so at the time which is 2019 so about a year and a half I was like okay well I gotta make some money to save up um since I'm leaving my job this year so I was like yeah okay I need to do I need to do these commissions for the money so I did the Wolverine, I did the Darth Vader, I did the Elmo and the Yoda, and then people, you know, Frankenstein, was all these different commissions. I'm like, okay, now these are getting boring, right? Like, it's, it's just like, okay, I see the picture, either they send me the picture or I find it, and I'm just painting it exactly how it is, like off mm-hmm. of whoever, whoever the designer is or whatever the picture I see. So it, I didn't feel creative in a sense at that point in time. I was just, and it's, I mean, it was good practice. Like I'm practicing colors and stuff like that, but it wasn't like creativity. Like I didn't outline it and draw it myself personally. So I lost the love, not say the love, but I lost uh, even wanting to do commissions anymore. And then that's when I started to go into portraiture and like actually seeing a picture of a face, like doing, trying to do realistic um, paint um, portrait, portraits. Um, and then got into that. And then I also started getting into like my actual original paintings where it has a deep message behind it. And I'm actually creating it from my brain in a sense I'm drawing it on a, I use Procreate. I draw the outlines of it and then I put it on a big scale, um, like a four by four by five canvas and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, it was just at the time, it was really just for the money. And now if someone was to actually say, hey, can I get a, you know, whatever, uh, a cartoon or something like that, I, I'm going to price it so high that they don't <laughs> that they don't want me to um, do it because I really don't want to do it. So I'm going to price it super high that they kind of like verge them away not to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> now that's smart because if, yeah. you know, you want to say yes to stuff that, you know, really speaks to your soul and then you want to uh, get paid more for the one, the projects that don't really speak to your soul because right. it takes so much, you know, to create stuff that you don't want to create. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I like to the listeners, I, I just want to say like, don't, you will, you will drain your, you will one block your creativity and drain your creativity, like you drain your uh, the art process of creating out if you always start like doing commissions that you don't want to do. So I always say like the way to, to the way to divert that and also still keep the customer because the customer st- may still want to come to you for something else. Um, you know, either join an art community or have other artist friends who do 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 the commissions. Uh, who enjoy people's because there's some artists that actually do enjoy doing commission like people like the Fiverr artists and stuff like that or Skillshare artists who really just 
they just love doing it. Um, you know, kind of divert them to those um, friends of yours so you can always still like keep them in the loop in a sense. And or kind of what I do, I'll price it so high to where it's like, it may be a, you know, a 20 by 24 canvas. I'm pricing it for like 800. And it's like a simple cartoon um, mm-hmm. just because, you know, I really, I personally don't want to do it. And hopefully they say, okay, well, never mind. I can go to different artists. Or they may say, okay, well, yeah, you know, just because they like your style or they just personally just want to, you know, uh, support you, whatever it could be. And in that case, you still financially gain and hopefully the commission is not too super detailed and you can just knock it out. So, yeah. So everybody kind of has like a different um, way that they price their commissions or price their artwork and projects. I'm curious as to how you go about pricing and how does it differ now than how you first started? Right, right, right. Yeah. So my pricing definitely changed from, <laughs> from when I first started. So the first, the, the Darth Vader, I sold that to the guy, to the P coach for a hundred dollars. But the thing is that was a 24 by 36 canvas. So I'm mm. like, man, like now I, the 24 by 36 canvases, it's up like at least, you know, 650 and up, you know, mm-hmm. like 25, uh, 24 by 36 canvas. So I'm like, man, uh, but back then I didn't know when I was practicing along with, I didn't even know how to price uh, or my time, the paint I use and et cetera. So um, now I kind of price based off the category. If it's, if it's portraiture, um, I price by the amount of faces that's going to be in the portrait. So usually it's it starts off at 250, 300, um, depending on the, the canvas size, but between 200, 200 to 300, depending on the canvas size, if it's a portrait, even if it's just one person. And then additional people, like if it's five, five people on there, and I'm charging 150 per person or however much you add on there. Uh, that's for portraits, right? Um, and mm-hmm. also price change, like I'll add, if it's plus 125 if it's in oils, if it's acrylic, then I'll charge an extra 75 per person. And then if it's if it's black and white, then I'll charge $50 per person, however it goes. Like they're gonna, it's different options of the different type of portraitures I'll do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it comes to, uh, commissions like outside of portraiture it all really depends on the amount of detail of what exactly they want on there um, if it's black and white as well or if it's in color and then the canvas size so I do kind of have a flat rate of each canvas size and then the prices ranges depending on like the location of where they live at if I'm, if I'm shipping it or mailing it if um if it's in color black or white, et cetera, and how detailed it is, and if they need a rush order. So a lot of things come into to, to play and also the materials that are used because oil, oil paints cost way more than acrylic paints. Um, so I always add, and like, as an artist, you have to put everything into, you have to charge everything, like tax everything, like tax the client or customer everything because at the end of the day, it all comes out of your pocket along with, um, you know, it, it's it's your business. Like you got to treat it as a business. So when you're doing your taxes, um, you're, you're writing all that off as in the amount of the cost of goods, the expenses and et cetera. So um, you're, you're charging the client for that. You shouldn't come out of your pocket, you know? 
Hey Gangstar, sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this episode so far, stop what you're doing right now and share this podcast with your friends on social media or text it to a friend in your contacts. If you're a true Gangstar and want to uplift and empower other creatives like I know you do, you're going to want to take a few seconds to do this now. Go ahead and pick your phone back up or click that browser tab that you're playing this episode in, hit that pause button and share it now. Hello, what are you waiting for? All right. Thank you for doing that. Now let's get back to the show. So Yeah. Uh, I love that you are being transparent and sharing exact like numbers that you're currently at right now and yeah. like yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, some people feel iffy about that. Um, but I always try my best to pull it out of my guests because I feel mm-hmm. like when especially for anybody listening that's starting out, it's really frustrating, especially in the in the art industry, like there's no information out there like telling you like what's the standard you know and i think it's in all different industries and other businesses and stuff they all have standards um as far as pricing and how they go about their services but when it comes to art it's not really out there and you really have to kind of you know ask around they may tell you they may not they might give you you know an ambiguous answer and i just feel like there's so much power in just being you know honest and just up front like hey like this is you know what my rates are currently and this is right. you know range or you know a price range or it starts here because then people that are just starting out are still like struggling with figuring out how to value themselves or charge they can actually now like okay use you as a reference or other artists as a reference and figure out the best way how to you know charge for their artwork and their services especially right. if like you know they feel like they're say they're charging um you know maybe like two hundred dollars for a painting but they really want to charge like a thousand, but they're like, oh, I can't do that. And it's because they've never seen like the prices that other people around them are doing. But then if they saw like three other artists that are kind of in their, you know, same um, industry or style or whatever, and they're charging a thousand dollars for the same thing. It's like, oh, I could totally do that, you know, and it's confidence in the community. So, I mean, to everybody listening, if you're starting out, like hopefully, You've been taking notes on um, Alvin and what he's been yeah, sharing. I, I, want, I want to say one one thing too, sorry. Yeah, I want to say one thing, one, or two extra things. So when it. it comes to pricing, <laughs> when it comes to pricing, uh, I learned also like along the way, like I have two, uh, when I market certain paintings, I market based off of my audience or the location. So in my hometown, like there's, you know, there's not millionaires just walking around you know, that I personally don't know, at least in my hometown. So the paintings that I market to my local audience, they are, they are either much smaller paintings, right? They are the, you know, the 16 by 20, uh, 8 by 10 size canvases um, because I know that they're not millionaires, right? So I, I create those paintings for that market and for that audience. So you know, those paintings will go between, you know, 200 to 600 some odd dollars. But when I'm marketing to like the big clients that I know that's out in Tampa, that's down in Miami, Florida, that's in Atlanta, Georgia, I can, I, I make bigger canvases. I, my average canvas um, is like a four by five foot, 48 by 60 inch canvas. And those are, you know, 2,500 plus um you know six thousand some the biggest one that I ever mm-hmm. sold was was eight foot tall and that was for that one's for like eight thousand dollars so awesome. but i i wouldn't make an eight foot painting for you know anyone in my hometown because i i know that 
they're not just going to jump and buy it. They don't have that to, to spare in a sense, you know? So yeah. um, I would just say, just know, know your audience, know your location. So if you are in, if you are living in like, you know, California, um, you know, San Francisco, or uh, you're in uh, Manhattan, New York, you can, you can sell your, your paintings for way higher than if you were living in a rural town, like somewhere in the Carolinas or, you know, in Oklahoma or something like that. Um, because the, those cities, those big time cities have people with big pockets in comparison to like the local small town, they have smaller pockets. So you would just sell, you can still create those big time pieces, but when you market it, just know who you're marketing to, you know? So just have that in mm -hmm. mind. But yeah. No, I love that you, that you touched on that. And I think this is actually the first time I've heard, had a guest share that kind of perspective um, as a different way to kind of go about it. So sure. I think that's definitely good insight for any of the listeners right now that are kind of contemplating how to price their artwork. I think it's good to think about, you know, who is your audience? Who are you trying to target? What, you know, what is their income bracket? What is their occupation? Where do they live? What right. types of things do they buy? Like you got to think about all these things when you're um, creating or creating your art business, because yes, we just want to create and create, but you also have to think about the business side of things and exactly. pricing and marketing and all of that good stuff is part of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, one, one last thing. Sorry, one last thing. Go so for it. Um, um, also like, let's say that you, you want to have like these big time pieces, um, still price it, price it however you want it. You originally want to price it. If you want it to be a thousand, three thousand, whatever it can be, price it at that high price and then for that local community or that the the if you oftenly see that the people that you're marketing to um, can't afford that high price sell uh, or make limited edition copies of that high price piece um, so at a, at a smaller you know price so if I like this one piece that I'm working on now of course the original is going to be five thousand but I'm gonna have um, 50 limited edition copies. That's going to be like $80 uh, but, or between like $50 to $150, depending on the size copy that they want. So that's affordable. It's still, they still get the, the painting. They still get the design that, that you created. And, you know, you just put it in a nice little frame or a mat board, however you want to um, present it. And you still make money off of it. And you still have the original piece until, until you sell the original piece. Like you're making money. It's like you're sitting on gold in a sense. Like you, you're making money off a piece that you have already in your hand you didn't have to sell the original you know so that's another yes uh, I love that you that you um pointed that out too and just to kind of add piggy like piggyback off of that too to anybody that's listening it's like oh I didn't even think about that you could even do limited edition runs and have them be embellished prints yes, which kind of gives them that like oh I kind of have an original but it's not the original and basically right. what an embellished print is is just you're embellishing it with paints or spray paint like just actual mediums art mediums mm -hmm. so that kind of has that like print and also that kind of original feel to it without it actually being the original and you can even make right. those priced even higher than a regular print so just wanted to piggyback off of that yeah, yeah definitely definitely yeah that's true yeah embellish embellish and those and those embellished ones you can actually price more too because it's it's not original, but you did actually put your hands on it. And it's in a exactly, so it makes it more special. More. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Bellish prints, you could price a little bit higher, like midway pricing, if you want to call that. And then actual, like just copies, as in whether it's paper copies, there's different papers depending on the print shop you go to, but those can be like at your lowest 
to where you, you know, go to a pop-up shop or, you know, things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you are currently teaching middle school art, but you are about to transition into being an artist full time. So tell me about that. Like, how has this journey been? What's the like turning point for you to make that decision to go all in? Do you have some sort of plan or some sort of uh, security blanket that you put in place that, you know, like what what is this transition and decision? Yeah, yeah, like? so definitely uh it's definitely a process definitely nothing that um it's just smooth and easy right um so <laughs> basically i made the decision um well basically I, I was teetering on the decision back in 2019 when i started practicing with the, with the painting um i was like yeah well, can i do this full time is this gonna be my last year whatever it could be so then of course like the pandemic happened right in 2020 and you know, my school district, and I'm pretty, pretty sure it's all the schools around around the US, it was just it was just hectic, like, you know, as teachers really teachers didn't really have much choices to do. And since me being uh young at the time, uh well still now, still being young, like the, the older people have the first dibs to stay home and do virtual. So mm. um the younger teachers had to come in, like we didn't have a choice of like, yeah, because I chose to actually just teach online. Because you know, I don't know what these kids got going on. Like you know, they're getting, they're getting, you know, I'm getting the calls like they're catching coronavirus like every, every other day. Like I'm getting a call like, yes, a student at your school got the virus, da da da. But it's like, okay, well, I'm not trying to catch it, you know. So I want to teach at home, um, but they didn't allow me that option. So my only option was to either come to work or not work at all, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, I just, I just stayed prayed up. And I went to, I, I was in school and down here in Florida, like we were in school since August of 2020. Like there was no, <laughs> all the other states were like locked down or virtual fully. We were open on campus, um, August of 2020 and still been open. And we had, we had like 300 kids wow. come back in the middle, in the middle of uh, the semester and fall semester. So like November, they came back and it was just wild. But, um, but that was one another like man like you know they really they really weren't treating tre- treating teachers uh, properly. Um, a lot of teachers that I I know they either had the coronavirus, and you know they weren't getting paid. They 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 didn't give the coronavirus like uh, leave or time off. They they had to take away from their sick leave, um, which. Is not wow. right, you know, because we're not even supposed to. It's supposed to be a separate amount of hours. It's supposed to be like at least eighty hours, based off coronavirus separately, and not have to take from our sick leave. Um, but anyways, it was just a lot. So that was one of the reasons. And then um, another one was basically like mentally, I wasn't uh, feeling like the teaching aspect. Like I used to look, like I've been working with kids for ten years. Like since two thousand nineteen, I was either working a nonprofit. Uh, juvenile justice, juvenile justice department, um, parks and recs, uh, park, parks and recreation of the city that I was living in. So uh, I was like, man, you know, it's been a while. I've been working with kids for like ten years now, and you know, I'm a bit tired. You know, <laughs> like I'm a bit, a bit tired. Like not to say that um, the kids wore me out, but um, I just wasn't feeling like a superstar rock star teacher I wasn't feeling as motivated like to wake up and get to school and you know work like so I kind of I always tell myself if I'm never feeling if I mentally 
don't feel uh, excited or I'm, not, I'm mentally not loving my job, I shouldn't be there, you know? So um, that's kind of when I made the decision, right, yeah, this is gonna be my last year teaching, um, teaching art. And, and so I said that like 2020 of, the spring semester of 2020. So that brings us to this year. So I'm like, okay, well, I got a full year, which is May of 2020, to figure out what am I gonna do to transition to be a full-time artist, right? So uh, I kind of mapped it out. Like, you know, I, I, I mapped out the price, my cost of living down here in Florida, which is like 1,700 in a sense. And that's what I'm talking about, rent, um, you know, um, gas, food, utilities, et cetera, right? All mm -hmm. that in one month is about $1,700. So in my head, I'm like, okay, well, I need to save at least, you know, $8,000 to $10,000 to at least have a cushion for six months, you know, uh, mm -hmm. after, after May, after this, this month, after the, um, the end of the school year. So that's when uh, I was like, okay, well, what's the side jobs I can do? So I started doing, you know, one-on-one -on -one art classes with um, students. I started doing tutoring. I started doing like, um, I was doing tutoring for math and science, which things I don't even do, <laughs> you know, for, for my school just to get an extra, extra pay. Um, I was doing, you know, paint and sips. Um, I was doing, uh, I was working at another art organization doing art workshops. Um, I was taking, I was taking commissions that I didn't want to take just because I knew what the end goal was that I needed to, you know, I needed to make some money. So even though I didn't want to do it, at that moment in time, I had to get my mind right, like, look, okay, yeah, you don't want to do it, but you also, you do want to be a successful, right, a successful full-time artist. So you just got to do what you got to do. So um, I took in a lot of commissions, did a lot of portraits as well. And uh, just I just took every opportunity that I could to make extra money even if it wasn't relevant to art. Like I was just doing extra extra jobs wherever it should be um, while still working as a teacher because I couldn't really save. Like I bring home, as a teacher, I bring home 20, around $2,600 a month on average. And you know, half of that, like I said, 1,700 goes to basically all my cost of living. So I don't really save much, probably like 500 or $400 after everything is paid <laughs> as a teacher. You know? So it's like, you can't really save for that with that. Um, so yeah, I was just working a lot and then, you know, uh, it's just, it's just having that self-discipline. So I didn't, I didn't go out. I mean, we couldn't go out anyway, so that's a good thing, but I wasn't able to, I didn't go out and I didn't eat out. I didn't spend unnecessary money. Um, I was just a lot of self-discipline. Gratefully, like I don't have a kid or I don't have a wife that's depending on me or anything like that. So that's the grateful part that I have that mm -hmm. to where I only have to take care of myself. So, um, but yeah, it just it just takes a lot. It just took still taking a lot of self discipline and not going out places and not doing things and kind of denying my friends they want to yo let's go you know go out of town or whatever. I'm like no, nah, I'm good. Like I got it. I got I got this goal. I got this plan. What I gotta do? But I know that this is what this is what it takes. You know, to be at least yeah. at least for me to have a cushion. You know. So, um, but yeah. yeah. How close are you to making that jump? Uh, well, I'm pretty close actually. Cause so, so with my savings, with my uh, they have, they call it the FRS, which is similar to like a 401k, but um, FRS down here for the teachers is the Florida uh, retirement system. So I have like I have like eight thousand some odd dollars in that in that uh, savings, right? 
Oh, nice. Um, and then I have, me personally, I saved, uh, I have about, I have about 6,000 from my, from my, from what I made out of art, but of course, 3,000 or so, I had to do an expenses for like the virtual art office, a virtual business office that I needed for the business. And then, you know, materials and supplies and stuff like that. So about 3,000 or so dollars saved from art my art commissions and, and stuff like that. And then um, and then I should still also get two checks for the summertime because, you know, they kind of, as a teacher, it's a 10 month contract, but they they take some away to, to make sure that they pay you over the summer, even though you're not teaching. So I still should get two checks that should be in the $2,000, $2,500 range. So I should be okay. Like I should be, I should be past the 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> I should be passing 10,000 as long as nothing like super crazy happens and no emergency yeah. happens. I should be good to go for, and that, and that will hold me. And that's, and I only say that to say, I made 10,000 be the, the marker to say, um, if I was not to make anything for six months, I will still be okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but I know yes. that's not going to happen. Like I'm still going to create within those six months and make money and, and continue to grow. But if I was to just not make anything at all, then I'll still be all right until the end of my lease. Um, and then, you know, I'll figure out what, what happens next after that. So, but yeah. Oh, man. I love that. <laughs> Thanks for being so transparent and sure. honest. And then also just like hand clap to you for setting this goal and like going after it and doing literally whatever it takes and making those sacrifices yeah. and you know, saying no to, to things that you would want to say yes to and saying yes to the things that you want to say no to. Um, right. It takes a lot of, you know, grit and discipline and patience, but it's, mm -hmm. it's these moments that you're going to be able to look back on hopefully next year or within yeah. the year, like, oh, that was so like painful to go through, but it was so worth it, you know, right. and yeah. myself, yeah. and I'm sure the listeners that are going to be following you are going to be rooting for you um, on, on this journey. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely a process. I know, I know it's a, um, it's tough to actually make the leap. And I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from a, uh, what do you say? Not to say I'm privileged, but in a privileged sense, because I don't have kids or a wife depending on me. Mm -hmm. But um, like for those who do have like kids and or a partner that's depending on them. Um, I'll just say it's still possible. You just have to have that plan to map it out. Cause just like I had a plan and my plan was based off of taking care of me personally for the six months after uh, I'll, I'll stop getting this steady income from the teaching job. So as long as you can kind of just map out like whatever your cost of living is um, and, and at least have a six month cushion. And as long as you have that dedication and the plan of like, okay, how are you going to make up the amount of money that you were making from whatever your full-time job was, then once you figure out that that formula, then you should be good and you can make that, you know, you can make that that leap. So yes, yeah. oh, I love that so much. And then to everybody listening too, just know that everyone has like Alvin had shared, like everyone has a different situation and you just gotta do what feels right for you, feels safe for you and what works for you. Cause some people, you know, they take leaps of faith with like hardly any cushion and they do all right or not do all yeah. right. And then some people, you know, have a lot of cushion and do all right and not all right. So it just kind of just depends on what's best for you. 
Um, but it's always good to just kind of hear what other people are doing because you can take that and use that to kind of help you make those decisions if you are currently making that kind of decision in your life right now. So thank you, Alvin, for being so transparent and sharing exactly where you are right now on your journey. Um, That's so awesome. No doubt, no doubt. I appreciate you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and also just to note, I, I wanted to t- touch on this, which is, I don't know how mm. related to the art career it is, but you had said that you ran for mayor last oh, yeah. year, which is um, pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, can you talk yeah. a little bit about that too? I mean, yeah. what yeah, the? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, um, yeah, like I had said um, prior, when I, that, that gap between me from bachelor, getting my bachelor's in fine arts, and then going to the, my graduate school, until mm-hmm. I picked up that brush, like I was really doing a lot of community work. And when I got my master's in positive psychology and also my master's in nonprofit management, um, I learned so much about like what people were actually going through. Like, I mean, I mean, I had humble beginnings. Like I had both my parents in my life. Um, I didn't live in the, the worst of neighborhoods. I was okay. I think most of my struggles really happened when I became, when I left the house, when I went to college, like the college student struggles, like, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> um, but what I learned uh, when I was in graduate school, when I started doing a lot of community work, you know, working in, in uh, or doing volunteering for like the homeless shelters. And when I myself was homeless and started learning, like figuring out, just trying to figure out life as a, as someone who's in the middle class, lower middle class um, or working class, you know, just trying to make it, you, you learn so much. And then you start to figure out what well, I started to figure out like how the government can really um, do more or do better for the people. Um, and then basically when I was, and, and kind of like my, my, what made me want to run was when I was homeless, like, man, like this sucks. <laughs> like, this sucks me always like sleeping in the car and stuff like that. Cause in California, um, the average, well, San Francisco, California, the average one bedroom was like 3,500. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And back this is back in 2015, it beat it beat Manhattan as the highest cost of living, and yeah, so it was like 3,500 for a one bedroom. And I, my job, I was working for a nonprofit, and I got paid two thousand dollars a month. So I was already fifteen hundred short, right? Um, mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, so when I went through that for eight months, and then I, I left and came back, came back home, and I I went to the full-time um, at Florida Atlantic University because I was still, in, I was doing uh, the nonprofit, the master's in nonprofit online. So I went back home to Florida and I went on campus to go ahead and take the classes and just still try to figure things out, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, and that's kind of when I got into it because the nonprofit management program was under the public administration school. And then I was like, that was 2018. I was like, man, I'm gonna run for mayor in 2020. Cause I I one, I done learned so much about <laughs> government. Like also just being homeless, like figure out like, man, these are all the benefits that are for me. And this was not for me. And this was not for the homeless community and et cetera. And then, um, and so I ran and I, I learned about the city government, the former government of my hometown at least. And I was already well known in my community based off the, all the nonprofit and community work that I already did. So I kind of already had a platform. Um, and then, yeah, so I ran, it was, it was a, it was a great experience. I lost by like 
like 600 or so votes um, in the primaries. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it's, it, you know, every, I always say everything happened for a reason because yeah. if I was mayor now, then I wouldn't be able to like do all the art and travel and do what I do now. Right. So, um, but, but, but yeah, it was, it was, a, it was, I think it made me more well-rounded and also um, it, it makes, it made everything that I'm creating, like a lot of my future shows that I'm planning to have is going to be based off of like civic engagement and based off of, and have some kind of like political uh, climate around it because mm-hmm. I learned so much, you know, and I think that also art, art can also change the mentality of um, just community leaders and et cetera, and how we, we can do things. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Um, and yeah, it was cool. It was cool. <laughs> wow. That had to be such a crazy experience. Um, yeah, yeah, I could just yeah. only imagine how fun and exciting, but also how just like stressful and time consuming running oh, yeah. for mayor yeah, <laughs> would be. It's no, it's no joke. Like the amount of time, cause I was like, mind you, I was, uh, and money was, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, well, you know, great. What's crazy is being an artist and running for like all the campaign advertising i didn't have to go out of pocket because well i went out of pocket to get materials but outside of the materials i created everything because i knew how to make shirts already and um i, I do photography and i do video editing mm-hmm. so i did and i know, well, you know I do graphic design. yeah i did everything on my own like there was it no, <laughs> was no team but it's also time like it took a lot of time to do all of that um so as long as well as the fact that i was still a full-time teacher and it was during the pandemic and it was just a lot but um, a lot yeah I'm grateful that like after after the campaign was like after I figured out that I didn't win I just deactivated my Facebook and I was just like yeah I'm good like for a while like I still, I still that's a chapter closed yeah like I still don't even have my Facebook right now like because it was so it was such it drains you out, you know, it just, just yeah, the campaign sure. just drains you out. So I'm going to come back on Facebook, like in 2022 and I'll be <laughs> re But now I was like, let me just stick to Instagram and, you know, I'll, I'll be all right with that. <laughs> oh man, I love it. Well, Alvin, you've had such an amazing story and I appreciate you sharing everything with me and the Gangstar Creative listeners. Is there any last bits of parting advice that you want to share? Um... Yeah, I just uh, stay, stay dedicated and stay and have that self-discipline and be zealous. Um, I always say like, whatever, whatever it is that you want to do in life, it's never too late. So, you know, whatever you have a dream of, make that dream your end goal. And then just take a step backwards and say, okay, what's the first step? And then just take that first step and then you'll see where life, life brings you. So, Yeah. Awesome. And is there anything um, that our listeners can look forward to from you? Any big projects or anything outside of just kind of making that full leap? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I actually have a few projects that I'm working on. I'm planning, like, since I'm going to have all this time, right, (laughs) I'm not teaching anymore. Um, I plan to travel. um, There's 663 miles of beach on in, in the state of Florida. So I plan on going every beach in the state of Florida and actually doing a review of each beach, videos and photos. And then after I travel each beach in Florida, uh, I will 
have a painting of each beach and I have a plan to have a show in the state of Florida based off of all the beaches in the state. So um, that's a big oh, thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's one way thing. to get better at landscapes. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, that, that's pretty much, I mean, I have a, I have a few art shows. I got an art show, uh, like I said, the one uh, that's coming up in Maine, that's the first landscape one. And then um, I have another art show in, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia uh on the on may 22nd so a few a few art shows coming up but outside of that um, I'm, I'm just working on a few different projects that will just be popping up on my instagram and and yeah so it's working that's awesome well everybody make sure you go follow him i'll have all the links in the description below alvin thank you so much for giving us your time and your wisdom and sharing your story i'm so excited to have you on the show Thank you so much. I appreciate you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, listen to a couple more episodes, and share it with a fellow Gangstar creative. I would also be forever grateful if you left a review letting me know what you loved and what you'd like to hear more of. And as a thank you for leaving me a review, I'll gift you both my 10 ways to create a Gangstar brand PDF and 5 ways to boost your online sales PDF. Just screenshot your review and DM me the picture on Instagram at Devonna Stimson and I'll send it right over to you. Until next time, cheers to annihilating the status quo of the starving artist.